Hi, I'm Patrick Hollick, and today my guest is Sheila Jaffe, who has over 160 credits as a casting director, and she'll only want to talk about Walk This Way, which is something to do with us both being adopted and placing children. Um, but uh, let me start out by asking you what it was like grow jumping right in. Let me ask you what it was like growing up in New York. Is that where you were born? I was born in New York. I was born on 18th Street and 2nd Avenue and taken home to the Bronx a long time ago. And I was taken home, uh, you know, I was brought into the world by one woman and taken home by another. Were you adopted at birth or how was that? Six days old. Yeah, Six days it, old. It, it was a private adoption. It was arranged through a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's funny us adoptees to jump right into the adoption of it all that. yeah we could start a little bit but i want to get that at the back people want yeah. to know how you become the best the best casting director in the universe okay well, we go, <laughs> by being adopted no because yeah, yeah. you fit into not any belonging, situation anyway so uh, yeah i grew up in the bronx i grew up in new york born in new york grew up in new york and then uh do you want to talk about that later? I and know, yeah, I also want to know about where were you the hostess where all the guys that I talked to, all the rock stars remember stalking oh, yeah. you and watching you seat people because they said Sheila Jaffe was the hottest chick in New York and we all wanted her. What restaurant was that where they stalked you? It was a restaurant called Cafe Central. Okay. And a friend of mine owned it. And I remember he lived, it was in my neighborhood on the Upper West Side. And uh, I was invited to the opening night and it got really crowded. And I I just said to him, can I help? Is there anything I could do? He said, yes, go stand by the door. I mean, I had never worked in a restaurant. I knew nothing about restaurants. And I stood by the door and I kind of, you know, navigated people in and, and then I got a job there. And then I worked there for seven years. How old like, were you when you started? I was young. What <laughs> I was not, mean? you know, late twenties. Okay. And what kind of clientele? Who were these? These. So it was a, it was a neighborhood restaurant um, that on back then it was in the eighties in the late it, like eighty six, we quote well, early eighties to, mm -hmm. to late eighties to eighty six, um, it um, the neighborhood in the Upper West Side there were a lot of actors that lived in that neighborhood, mm -hmm. and it started out by a lot of the the guys who were in Animal House, the movie Animal House. Like Belushi. Peter, Peter Regard and Bruce McGill and all those people started coming in there because they lived in the neighborhood. And so it became like a local actor hang. Hmm. And then the owner of the restaurant, really smart, got friendly with the New York City Ballet, the ballerinas from the New York City Ballet. So they would come in. So all the actors wanted to meet the ballerinas and the place just, you know, took off like a, a ton of bricks. So all actors, Bruce Willis was the bartender there. Oh, yeah, I remember that part, yeah. He was a bartender. John Goodman was there every night. Did John uh, Matt Goodman Di drive a cab or he didn't drive a cab? Is that true? No, he was acting already. Okay. He was already, he he was, you know, he, he, he was working. He was a working actor. But like Matt Dillon came in, Sean Penn came in. I mean. All of them. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, I mean, 
all ages, all sizes, shapes, million people. And I became from the hostess, I became the manager, the night manager, and then the general manager. And at this point, what were you what were you wanting to do? Were you wanting to act or were you what were you thinking about doing? I had studied acting briefly in uh, college and uh, I went for an audition one time and I put my hand on the door to walk into the thing and I was shaking so much. I was like, I can't do this. I couldn't get in there. That was as an actor. That was my acting experience. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. That was it. I auditioned for like another thing that when I had been in acting class, Annabella Sciorra actually brought me to the audition for, um, cause she was in my acting class, but it, I, I, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, I don't know. I just like being behind the scenes better. I used to be, um, really, really shy and nervous to be up in front of people. I had that and- tremendously too. I wonder if it's our adoption issue. Yeah, you don't want to be noticed. You don't yeah. want to be seen. You just want to be in the background. Yeah. You don't want to call attention to yourself because maybe you'll do something wrong and they'll give you a wake or something. I don't know, but it is an yeah, interesting I have that thing. One too. I did uh I did I studied theater and we had to do scenes and like do stuff on stage in front of people and I remember just having meltdowns inside emotionally and stuff. So. Yeah, like your knees get you go and you yeah. shake and you're like you, you hear your voice echoing in your head, like panic attacks. Sometimes, you know, when I would just get the job, like PTA, he used to use me in all of his student films. He went to Emerson, then he went to NYU, and that was easy because it was just having fun. But if I had to audition for him to get it, it would be, you know, wouldn't be the same vibe. Yeah, it was really, really hard. And I don't know, maybe it is an adoption thing. There's so many things that us adoptees have in common. Totally. We're going to go into adoption. So wait, how how long do you transition into casting director from this? So the restaurant uh, went out of business because mm-hmm. uh, they moved to a bigger location. And, you know, sometimes things are meant to be exactly what they are. It was like this perfect little place and it moved to a expansive place that just didn't work so it closed and I had no idea I mean I didn't know what I wanted to do I was like you know dabbled in like I would take all these courses in school like photography and painting and you know so it was always like somehow arts related but the restaurant being that it was filled with creative people and I was behind the scenes and I was orchestrating everything I kind of liked that Mm -hmm. you know so I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then um, I had become friendly with George Ann Walken, who was a customer at the restaurant. And she and her husband, she was married to Chris Walken, they were in Israel. Uh, he was doing a movie there. An Israeli director asked George Ann to help him cast four American actors for this film he was doing in Israel. And now I'm out of work, flat broke, don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is I have to pay the rent. I have to get a job. I have to pay the rent. What Should I get another restaurant job? I didn't know if I wanted to keep working nights. Really takes its toll on you, you know, like being up till four in the morning in New York. The bars are open that late. So she asked me if I wanted to do it with her. And I, I was like, Patrick, I was like, I, I don't know how to cast. I mean, I, I have no idea how to do that. And she was so great because she had a little knowledge about it. And she said, we can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And we did. Mm -hmm. And we did it. And then, honestly, I have no idea how we got our second job, but we did. 
And then we just kept working. And it was really an exciting time in New York because there was a lot of independent films, mm -hmm. a lot of independent filmmakers and like actors like Ethan Hawke and Sam Rockwell were just, uh, Steve Buscemi, everybody was just starting. So we all knew each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it, it was a lot of fun. Did it help that you were at the restaurant and everyone was like, oh, it's Sheila. Did that ever happen or not? You know what? Not really. Uh -huh. It was really funny. No. It, I mean, now it happens more like people go, I know her from Cafe Central. You know, like now, uh, well, before COVID, when people came into the room to audition, mm -hmm. you know, my associates and my assistants would always laugh because they would say, I know her from Cafe Central, you right, know. Right. And um, uh, John Hurd, who's no longer with us, was one of the actors. He said, Sheila, Sheely Wheelie, he used to call me. He said, she used to seed actors. Now she hires them. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So uh, your first part, how long were you in New York? Most of your casting experience, just the early days, or when do you start going back? Yeah, um, I came out, I, you know, I don't remember the year, to tell you the truth, but That's I remember funny. the movie. It was um, The Slums in Beverly Hills. Oh, my God, that's a great movie. That was really the first movie that uh, brought me out to L.A., and George Ann stayed in New York. You what know, was the cast on that? I forget some of it. It was Natasha Leone, Kevin Corrigan, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Yeah, yeah um, David phenomenal. David David Crumholtz when he sang "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." Do you remember yes, that? That's a Marissa, really good movie. Marissa Tomei, mm -hmm. who's sweet, really nice. I got closer with her many years later. Oh, I she's a I doll. Used to see her on Different World and have a crush, and then I met her. She's the greatest, and she was part. In New York, when we were doing all the independent casting, there was a theater company called Naked Angels mm -hmm. that her and Frank Pugliese wrote, who writes on House of Cards, wrote on House of Cards, mm -hmm. and I think Rob Morrow and Fisher Stevens and all these great New York, Lily Taylor, all these great New York actors were involved in this fantastic theater company. Do you see any of those anymore, the theater companies, or is it everyone for themselves, or is there... Yeah, I don't staff? see them. I, I I mean, there's some in New York still that are thriving, like um, the the one that... Um, Defoe, uh, right? Didn't Defoe have the Wooster Group or something, or is that... Yeah, that's not there anymore, well, he really. Went to, he went to... Uh, he's in Italy with... Uh, I did an interview with Abel Ferrara, and they're like... I saw that. I saw How cool that. was he? <laughs> I like, so, when I, I like when I told him, I'm like, can you put the phone because you're vertical? Can you put it that way? He goes, it's fine. Because he's, he's I just think he called us one time to cast, or he called Georgianne to cast something, and it, it, it was so cuckoo bonkers. Yeah. It, literally, he used to call people the day before and say, okay, get on a plane because we're filming tomorrow. Wow. Like he just called actors yeah. directly. You know, he was funny. Yeah, but uh, he was a wild guy. But we never really worked with. I, I think we did one little thing, maybe on and off with him. Mm -hmm. Are there but, favorites that you've worked with? I know you've worked with Mark and Levinson and all those guys forever. I but before that, was there like people that like you yes, worked with a lot? Yes. Like, is there somebody that made you go, "Oh, I get this"? A, a somebody, or how did yeah. You I worked a lot at the beginning with uh, a director called Alex Rockwell who did In the Soup. That was really exciting. It was one of our first movies. 
and um, it won at Sundance that year. And it was a year that uh, Reservoir Dogs was up and uh, mm -hmm. Jumping at the Boneyard and a lot of um, independent films. And Alex, I did like uh, quite a few movies with him and we always used the same people. It was kind of like, a, he loved John Cassavetes. So it was kind that's of like model. Favorite. That's you know? the only reason I got in entertainment. I saw love streams when I was a little kid and it, that's what I was like, I want to make movies. It was all because of John. Yeah, and, and we even cast, uh, like in one, one movie we cast Sam Fuller because that was another influence. So that was wow. exciting. Yeah, wow. it was really exciting working with him. And through him, I met Steve Buscemi. Mm -hmm. And then I worked with Steve on the movies that he directed. So that was great. He was, they were just great people to work with. And now I'm, I work, um, I love working with Pete Berg. Yeah. Well, you work with, with Pete and Mark on everything, don't you? Mark Wahlberg and Pete. I work with Pete um, and I work on things that Mark, where there's not, a, if, if a director has a casting director that he uses, Mark will always defer to that. You know, it's, and, and so would I, mm -hmm. because that's your, you know, you have a shorthand with that person. But when Mark's producing and um, they hire the director, I'm usually on those movies. And some that I've gotten and he's gotten independent of each other. So it just happened. You know? happen. yeah. It just happens. But I've done like, it was funny, I counted them and I told him, we've done like 17 or 18 movies together. I know. I want to talk about Sopranos. How does Sopranos happen? It's like the change of the whole, it invented what, HBO? You know? It invented HBO, yes. definitely. And how it happened um, for us uh, was, I guess, I don't know what came before us. I'm sure that they were meeting a lot of casting directors because David Chase was in LA. The project was basically starting in LA. David lived in LA. Um, and I, I don't think he ever found anybody. And he saw a movie that Steve Buscemi directed that we cast called Trees Lounge. And when he saw that movie, he was like, who cast that movie? I want to meet those people wow. that cast that movie. And that's how that happened because he loved the cast. He loved the movie. And uh, and I was out here. It was the same time as Slums in Beverly Hills. So I was here, able to meet him. And I remember reading the script and loving it. I thought it was so great. And it was interesting because HBO, you know, we had to convince people to do it. Nobody, you know, we there was know a time. HBO was. Well, there was a time, and I'm sure you're aware of this too, Patrick, like when TV and film were so different and film actors didn't want to do TV. Of it was like a step down. A big one. And now it's like Opposite a step stay. up. Yeah. yeah. Consistent yeah. work is what it is. So HBO was, you know, brand new. Anybody only knew network television. So in order to explain to people what this was, was hard. I mean, Jim Gandolfini was like... For seven years, he didn't want to come in and Georgiana and I were like, no, it's a pilot. Nobody's going to see it. Don't worry. You'll just do the Get pilot. check and go home. How did you find yeah. James Gandolfini? What was he doing? Like independent movies? No, he, well, he was doing, okay. He was doing like the bad guy and, oh God, what was that movie with Patricia Arquette where True he beats romance. her up? True romance. Yeah. He was playing the heavy in yeah. those kind of movies. And I was working with this 
director, another indie, it wasn't even a full film, it was for the Sundance Lab, the Writers Lab, mm -hmm. and she had a cast, two people to be in it. It was a father and daughter story. And we cast Clea Duval, who I was, she was selling coffee at a like Starbucks. And I was like, do you want, are you an actress? Do you want to come in and read for this? Cause she had just the kind of face that, you know, fit this script. And, um, and the woman, Melissa Painter was her name, who was directing, who had written and was directing it knew Jim and she said, what about him? And I was like, well, he's a really good actor. I had only seen him play, you know, I, I did see him on Broadway in Streetcar. So I, you know, where he, he played with Aida Totoro in that. It was Alec Baldwin did and Jessica Lange. Did he play the, the Brando role? No, no, that? no, no, no. He played the friend. Okay. Um, so I knew that he had, an, I felt like he had, a bigger range than just beating up people right. and being a heavy. And he was great in this. He played like a hippie father. Nobody ever saw it. it was just for the Sundance lab. It was just a workshop thing. I saw it and he was so charming and so sweet. And so he had this whole other side. He that does was have great. a sensitivity that no big guys really can access the way he would just switch it up like a light switch. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, Georgiana and I both were in favor of, you know, how does that, how, does he, do you, are you in the room when he reads Tony Soprano? Yes. What was yes. that like? Did you see magic or was it just a reading in your movie? No, it was magic. Time? It was kind of crazy. He read first, he was in New York. So he came in, I was in LA and Georgianne was doing the New York end of it. So he came in in New York and he, he, what, he, he asked to come back another time. He said, I didn't realize the layers of this, oh, you know, wow. I, I guess he didn't, you know, I mean, I mean, again, he thought it was a pilot. I'm going to go in, you know, I don't even want to do this. And then he felt like he wanted to come back. So David was leaving town. So we flew him to LA and he came back in LA now. Okay. Here's where he read. Come, it was like a Sunday. I think, I think David lived in Santa Monica. I can't remember. It was me, David, and Jim in David's kind of guest house. David ran the camera, and I read with Jim. Wow. And then, and then Jim, and <laughs> then Jim left. And then, you know, oh, I, meanwhile, cutting back to my acting days, David was always watching me. He loved the, my accent, and he loved the way I, I delivered his lines. Mm -hmm. So I think he was always thinking, he was always trying to cast me. But I, I, you know, again, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. But um, uh, he, it, so so Jim left and it was so long ago, it was the VHS tapes. Uh -huh. And Dave and I ran to his house and put it in and watched it. And it was like, duh. You knew. It was a no brainer. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was never could be. I don't know. Nobody. How does uh, how did Basquiat come? Was it Stephen Wright? Is that his name? What's the boy's name? Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Did you read a bunch of people for Jean Michel, or was it known that he would do it, or how does that? We go? didn't read a bunch of people. We discussed a bunch of people, but Julian knew Basquiat well, yes. and he saw that he saw what he needed in Jeffrey, and Jeffrey, of course brilliant actor he is 
brilliant. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey, oddly enough, was my neighbor. He lived across the street from me, so I'd see him all the time in New York. New York was kind of cool. It was like, a, you know, like I guess like when you cast in London or something, it's a smaller community of actors and everybody kind of knows everybody. That's how New York is, you know. Like LA is so many actors. Everybody here is an actor, you know. No, I know. And how long does it take you to feel like going backwards a pinch? Like how long, how many films did you do before you felt comfortable and understood the casting process? And like, where did you kind of like evolve in it? What, what, what was it working with yeah. actors? Is it, um, I don't know how the process even goes, you know? Well, at the beginning, we just, you know, we were winging it. We were just like, we didn't know what we were doing. But Turn on the machine, record the thing, and then, you know. And... Yeah, but I had studied acting. So I understood a little bit about how to talk to an actor. You know, an actor needs action. You have to give them an action word. You can't give them a whole psychological essence, you know. I've worked with those kind of directors, too, that go into the whole background when they were a child. You know, yeah, an actor needs to act. their head in the mashed potato. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. They have to act, mm -hmm. you know. He's scared. He's whatever, whatever the, the verb is. He's running. He's, you know, yeah. it's not like he thinks running is a really good sport. And he's always intrigued by it, you know what not, I mean? Not saying names, but how many times in the room, because you've done over 160-something, it's like, how many times in the room have you seen a director mis misleading an actor to get what they want? If they're new, like, they're yeah, yeah. new. And do you come I've in? Seen do it. you come in on that and, like, kind of go, like, let me help you? Or how do you do it? You do it gently. Yeah. You do it um, very gently and it, to help the director when you see that they don't know or sometimes even even seasoned directors i will you know uh, not i won't say it out no, loud in front of the actor but i would say i would say to the director you know maybe we should ask them to do this mm -hmm. i learned a lot from penny marshall yeah that's your uh that was your number one road dog wasn't she i she learned special. so i learned so much from her patrick she would you know it, it, it was her her casting sessions were unduly long let's just put it that way right. like hours yes like hours yes. and hours and hours who's the guy and, who's the act director that works with mary that does that where he does the whole film in the room for five days he had oh, Mark, I don't know. a fireman a brief fireman role in one of his movies oh david o russell o russell supposedly does like the you know the whole movie. i worked with him once yeah. i worked with him on fighter mm -hmm. um the fighter I, yeah the I fighter want to talk about that in a second because you found a woman in that that plays what does she play the mother that's just phenomenal didn't she win something melissa leo wow she yeah. was great yeah but um Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about in the room, I interrupted you with a Russell, and you were talking yeah, about I, gently helping. Yeah, but I, there was a point. There was a point. Oh, the Penny Marshall. Penny. It was Penny. It was Penny. She would, so she saw an actor struggling with something or not getting it, and it would, you know, she would always give them a piece of business. So she'd say, when you say that line, Maybe she's writing a note, you know, or something, just right. a piece of business. And it was, I really learned from that. It seems so simple 
to give it that note, that, that adjustment to somebody because auditions are so unnatural. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just sitting like opposite somebody and you're reading. No, with- I, I did when I did my movie, I noticed that. And I noticed some people are really good in the room and some people just aren't, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be the best thing for your movie. That's what I, I saw. I agree a hundred percent. I actually think if somebody is brilliant in the room and nails it, and then you ask them to do it again and they do it again and they're brilliant and they nail it, that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. As opposed to somebody who's searching for it, but their behavior is interesting. Yeah, like Tro- you're Troy Garrity get- was the guy in my movie that I thought was going to be a mess, but he's not. And he also would come on set without like a whole page monologue. And I think he didn't want to know it because it wouldn't be real for him. So he would do the weirdest process of getting ready I ever saw. But when I was in the edit, I realized that the rhythm was cuttable, that he could go high, low, and indifferent, and then made your edit just kind of work throughout because he could take it mellow and then bring him up, and that's what he did. I was sad because Berenthal came in and read for the same role, John Berenthal, and he, uh-huh. he just murders an audition. That guy's the best thing. But I was working off of Scott Kahn, and I thought it was too much alpha male shit going on. Right, right, right. Garrity had just played, I think, a a transgender or something interesting where he had the sensitivity. So I was like, he has to be. Because Scott and Barenthal were just way too in love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. And that's what people don't understand. Yeah, casting is, you you can't have the two similar energies. They were way too similar. Or shapes, you know, like if somebody is a square, you need a circle next to them or a triangle, you know. Yeah, that was fascinating to learn that stuff in the room. That's what I learned. I learned a lot from Penny and I, it's just interesting. Penny did everything um, well though, didn't she? I mean, she was the most Perfectionist, perfectionist, perfectionist. You, you, You blessed me with getting to work with her that one day and I was loving watching and loving that she smoked too much with me. I just yeah. loved her. I loved her. She was special. Yeah. And she, she never bar- bit me. She bit everyone else, but she didn't bite me for whatever reason. Because I she probably bit me. smoked too much. She <laughs> bit me once, but I, I actually knew when she bit me that I was like, yeah, she really loves me now. <laughs> she, she like, was, she was safe enough to bite me. Oh, she was a unique, one of a kind. I miss her. I know. I'm still sorry for your loss. I know she was your every, what did you guys hung out three days a week? You know, you we not we did we used to me her and Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, I see Lorraine <laughs> around town all the time. I always see Lorraine. Not Lorraine. Now she's What's back. her name? The other woman that that does uh, the producer that worked with Spacey. What was her name? Is it Lorraine? Oh, Joanne. I see Joanne everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joanne. Joanne. No, Lorraine's back. Lorraine's back east. Okay, the actress, isn't she? Bronco. Yeah, she was in Sopranos. She yeah, played awesome. Dr. Melfi yeah. and, you know, Goodfellows, yes. you know. Yes. So you guys were the tr- the three. Yeah, we that had holidays crew. together. It was fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tell me. So um, now you're doing how many films are you doing? I just looked at your thing. You have so many things going on. What do you got? I'm not. I, well, at different stages, you know, COVID, like one film has been. Like I should have been finished a long time ago, but because of COVID, it stopped and started and stopped and started. Mm-hmm. So at the tail end of that now, but that it was, it's unusual that they piled up like that, but it's all COVID related. Mm-hmm. And the movie I just finished with Mark is I'm done. That, okay. that was, 
the COVID film stopped. I did the Mark film, and then now the COVID film is back. Man. And then I'm doing another movie that is Mark's next movie, which is more of an independent movie uh, called Stu, which I'm really, really enjoying a lot. Where did you meet this Mark? Where does that start? Was it with Penny what? when he was in that military film? He was, no. That was young days. What was no. It? I met Mark. He was filming Boogie Nights. Boogie oh, Nights wow. hadn't come out yet. Okay. And I was in L.A. doing a movie that uh, Barry Primus, he's an actor-director, was directing based on a true story about a fighter named Vinnie Curto. And the movie starred Robert De Niro, and uh, Barry Primus and Robert De Niro are longtime friends. Um, and we were looking to cast the fighter, the guy, this Vinnie Curto character. And um, Mark Wahlberg, this is how long ago it was. He was repped by Steve Levinson, yeah. was still at, I, I don't even, he wasn't his, I don't know if he was his manager yet. I think he was, no, he was already his manager. He, I, yeah, I think he, he was, was his, leverage, he had left he UTA. I think he had started leverage already. Mm -hmm. He had left, he used to work at UTA. Yeah. Um, and he said, Mark, you know, wants to read for this. And Mark had wanted to read for, Lev had wanted Mark to read for another movie I did in New York about mm -hmm. a, a, a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. That that didn't happen for whatever reason. The director didn't know Mark. He was still... He hadn't come out in Boogie Nights. He was still kind of, you know. Yeah, he did what? You know, fear? In, in or what was it called? Fear in, or something? He did a really good. He role. did Fear. That was great. That's that what was Paul great. loved about him, and I think in Boogie before Boogie Nights was seeing Fear, because you know oh, Paul he was, was supposed great. to go with DiCaprio and Warren Beatty instead of Bert and, and wow and uh, Mark, and DiCaprio wow. got Titanic and uh, highly suggested Mark, I believe. Because they worked together in um, the, uh, basketball the, the basketball yeah, diaries. Yeah. But it was that's what happened. I remember Paul was going forward with uh, DiCaprio and, and Warren. And really anyway, so we, we decided to cast Mark. Mm -hmm. And Mark was in Canada with, you know, at, and came down to meet the director in person because it was before Zoom or anything like that. And um, the director wanted me to meet him because I had to cast him at two different ages. Like I had to cast an 11 year old Mark and a 17 year old Mark. Right. So he wanted me, you know, get to know him, you know. So I had a frame of reference and we just became friends. Yeah. And then the movie never went. They pulled the plug on it like Two days before shooting, the got the producers oh, didn't they didn't have the money, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but Mark like... Mark and I had become friends. We just liked each other just off the bat. Like we just I would be in the readings, he liked the way I read, I would read with him and the actors. It was just it, it was just, you know, a nice introduction Sounds to each other. And then I got a movie called The Italian Job, and then he got that movie. So then we worked together again mm -hmm. you know and he loved the cast I put together that and we just our friendship just grew and grew and you know and he trusted me a lot and then he would suggest me if a director if they didn't have a casting person which is unheard of actors don't really suggest casting directors right. 
Was you it know? Steve, was it Mark Wahlberg or Steve Levinson that got you in the whole entourage uh entourage both, both. world? It was double. Both, both. Yeah. How long was that? That was like what was that? 15 years of casting for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like I mean it's kind of like when you're in that group, you know, it's like Steve and Mark they're partners and you know, I'm their go-to unless, you know, mm-hmm. other things happen, but it's nice when you have those kind of uh relationships in this business with people and a lot of casting people do you know they work with certain producers all the time whether it's jerry bruckheimer or you know steve levinson that introduced me to you which is the best thing i know i know the best thing he's ever done i know (laughs) (laughs) that was a long time ago too yeah, yeah but that was how we met let's go into uh let's talk about uh adoption and and walk this way and how that starts so I know that's something you probably care about more than anything, right? That's your Well, thing. I care about my the, my organization, the Felix organization. Tell me about it. Um, how does it I, begin? I, it's hard. How does it begin is right. How does it begin? It begins with being adopted, and it begins with finally at a certain point in life talking about being adopted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for all of us, I think we don't really... Or if you talk about it, you're always the person, if you're just at a dinner party or whatever, go, I'm adopted, everybody's like, you know, they get quiet. You are, you know, like it's, it's a thing. It's not, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I do. You, it's just, you know, it's just a different thing. So anyway, I was at a point in my life where I kind of came out of the adoption closet and I was like, I'm adopted. And I would tell everybody, as you know, and I'd also out anybody who was adopted. So like, if I was with you at a party and somebody walked out, I go, he's adopted. You know, I mean, I just would tell people all that. So um, in the midst of all this, I start searching for my birth family, which is a whole other hour long discussion, you know, for some other time, maybe, I don't know. And I never do this but I had dinner with an agent in LA. It was Brad Slater. And I don't know why I, I, I barely go out to lunch with agents, but for some reason, because I was in the middle of searching for my birth family and people listening that don't know what that entails, it entails everything. It's, it's, it's your, you know, primal being, you know, you're looking for that lady that gave birth to you. It's enormous. It's like a big deal. So you're preoccupied. So Brad at dinner says to me, I'll never forget it was at Dantana's. He said, how are you? Well, wrong question. I was like, here's how I am. I'm looking for my birth mother. I have a private investigator. And I just spewed this whole thing. And he says, wait a second. I can't believe you're telling me this. This is why there's no accidents in life. You know, it's like all serendipitous. He said, do you know Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC? And I said, I don't know him, but yes, I know Run DMC. He said he was just in my office last week and he's adopted and he's just found out and he's going through this whole thing. He said, you two have to meet each other. So we did, met each other and we had like a three hour lunch and we talked. Now, it's the first time I'm talking to somebody who's adopted, like really talking to them. It's the first time he's talking to somebody. Like, so we have like all these like 
things to say to each other about. And do you do this? And what about that? What about when people say that? Do yeah. you know your real mother? Like, you know, people always said, do you know your real mother? No, the real mother is the mother that raised us. That's the real mother. She was the one that was up with us in the middle. You know, the language is all messed up for adoption. So Daryl and I just started thinking about um, that we were really fortunate, not lucky, but fortunate that we got taken home, that it's just random. You know, mm -hmm. three little babies could be next to each other that their mommies don't want them. And just one of them gets taken home and the other go where? There's no orphanages. So where do they go? They go to foster care, they go to group homes. So we decided that we wanted to do something, you know, um, to better the lives of those kids and mm -hmm. to give them some of the opportunities that those of us that didn't get a home were fortunate enough to have. Mm -hmm. So we started uh, an organization which you have helped us with and mm -hmm. been so generous of your time and it's, creativity. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that I'm adopted, you know, it's just like, it's a whole thing. You start to embrace it. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do. It makes you, uh, driven and a survivor and uh able to fit in we know how to you know adoption and adapt there's only one letter difference so if you're adopted you can adapt right <laughs> i don't i have to tell the the listeners like every time i used to lose a job or something you would always tease me and you'd say <laughs> you would say that they knew and I'm like knew what and you're like that you're not good enough because that's something you're adopted yeah yeah you're yeah, not yeah. Good enough. we have to constantly show we're good enough and no confrontation that that's like no no uh, no yeah and relationships also very very hard very hard yeah a band very hard we're gonna be a band oh yeah, correct always gonna be a band correct my friend and always hurts. calls me and says if we quit now no one will notice <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorites so so daryl and so we Darryl started and you start together that's where it yeah begins. we started the felix organization and it's we're 15 years wow. old now and we send kids and we i have to you know offline i will tell you there's so much going on with felix it's really exciting and we've survived 15 years and we've changed the lives of added to the lives of so many children mm -hmm. and it is the thing that i am most proud mm -hmm. of i mean i i feel i i just feel great that i got tapped on the shoulder somehow to say hey you've got to give back and that I met Daryl and that we were just able to do it. I've been blessed in my life with partners. It's, I love working with a partner. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like I had George Ann, who's like a sister to me. And then it segues to Daryl, you know, in this charitable. He's been so nice. He's so nice. I really enjoyed talking. He's to amazing. Yeah. And I remember when I told Mark Wahlberg, I was going into partnership because Mark was one of the, he helped Felix get started. And I'm also on the board of his organization, which is the Mark Wahlberg Youth Foundation, which does tremendous work for disenfranchised kids. But when I told Mark, he said, he like, I remember he spit out his super. So he was like, well, you know, Daryl McDaniels, you, it's like such an odd couple. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, didn't, it doesn't, you know, cause Daryl's like iconic. 
How did how how many kids have you placed? Do you think the Felix organization has worked? Well, we've serviced. Uh, I thought that's a hard, I don't know, but uh, like uh, uh, thousands and thousands. Mm -hmm. I don't have the exact number. Mm -hmm. I should, but how I don't. How many people are helping, uh, like actively helping with Felix nowadays? Oh, we have we did a thing during the pandemic uh, called Give This Way. We did a um, a virtual kind of show concert. You know, so many people like uh, came and supported. Uh, Chris Walken sent a you know did a message online. Mm -hmm. Rosie Perez, uh, Mark always, Lorraine always, um, and just just so many other people just get involved and want to help. We have a very strong network. And we do the, I think, did you come to one of the laugh this ways we did, I did. here? I did, I went to, it was it at the Laugh Factory, the comedy store, we went to one. Yeah, with beautiful. Chris Spencer and yeah. Vanessa great Spencer. Comics. all the great comics came. Yeah, well, Chris Spencer is like one of the best. And they also came up to camp and they taught a comedy workshop to the kids. But we've grown, we like do things with the kids now. Last year was challenging because you couldn't have camp because no, of, I know. you know, COVID. Yes. But we did virtual camps and we did things with, uh, the kids that are in group homes that didn't have to quarantine because they're all in a bubble together. Like they your, went on hikes. New York. I like your New York. You're like quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> how does somebody get to, how, what is there a website or something someone could hit because if someone uh, wants to help? It's www.thefelixorganization.org. Okay. Yeah, because I want people to see it. It's really and cool. we're doing an event in May in New York, but you're gonna. It's also gonna be virtual. Yeah, go to check the website. It'll tell you about this event. We're gonna do. Uh, it's a walk. Mm -hmm. We do everything called this way. Walk yeah. this way. Yeah. Laugh this way. Is eat that this of way. With, with yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. That's so cool. So, what do you? Um, when are you? Uh, you've been like quarantining, or do you go? Is physical world starting for you? No, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You tell me. I don't know. I don't know if casting. I surrendered in April, so I'm the, the guy that's outside again. I just had to get outside, so, like, I'm, you know, I'm just living. I've been shooting a little series, so I just, I, you know, it is what it is. Well, you shoot, you're shooting. Like, I'm doing my own show with, like, no support and just interesting actors that have been around me and without a studio, and I'm funding it, and it's working out so far, so I'm just going to keep doing it. I just started it in the end of the world COVID thing after March, April. I started writing it, and then I started shooting it because what's bad for everyone being shut down is good for somebody that doesn't have anything, so, like, we're able to get great locations and great performance and people. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of opposites day. You know, it's funny that I start working when everyone else stops. But that's the story <laughs> of my life. That's the way my life but has that's, always worked. But that's good. You made... Yeah, what you made lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, I've reverse engineered the go meet and have the dinner and get the funding. We just uh, put a camera on a tripod, got interesting people, started writing and doing it. Well, I think that's kind of like to go back to all the way at the beginning conversation of like independent filmmaking in New York. That's how they did it. Yes. And a lot of great things came out of that. And maybe this is a lesson for all of us. Mm -hmm. I find now. The weird, the weird casting thing, the Zooms, it's just mm -hmm. weird. Everybody, everybody self-tapes. And so you get a self-tape and you know it's so much better when you're in the room with somebody and you could give them an adjustment. It's or comparable. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's just like, oh, now I have to call the agent, tell the agent, tell him to do it again, do this. It gets like the game of telephone gets yeah. lost in translation. Have you been offered the vax? Because you should be coming up on a vax, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. I had one. Mm-hmm. Have you done both or you done the first part? Just one. I yeah. did one. I'm scared of the second one because everybody gets sick after. Well, it. somebody said, and you could look it up. They said take a Tylenol, and it's a it's really easy. If you're Moderna, a lot of these people are at a dinner last night saying, "I did a Tylenol, felt great." Other people didn't. They felt bad for a day. Oh, okay. But I mean, check with someone. I don't. I'm not a doctor, but these people. But a lot of dinner. people, they say it. Everybody will have it by uh, July. That's cool. Everybody. Yeah. Did you yeah. go to Dodger is- Stadium or where do you go? No, I went someplace. I can't remember. I'll tell you where no, I went. Fine. No, I have it right here. I have to because I have to go there next Tuesday. I went to El Sereno. Okay. <laughs> Do you know where that is? I no, didn't know where it was. No. El Sereno. I know the name, but I don't know how to go there. Yeah, me either. I had to have somebody drive me because I had no have idea. Have you been? Uh, so once you get vaxxed, do you think you'll start doing? Is anyone doing physical room castings or no? No. 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 Because SAG, no, there's too many protocols. And yeah. I would have to have, so your production would have to pay to have somebody there COVID testing people to come into the room with yes. me, COVID testing me. Yes. It would be insane. I did, uh, actually, full circle, I did a little tiny bit that you'll miss if you blink on, in Paul Anderson's new movie. And uh, I got to see how they do a movie with it. It's real intense because we had to test in, test out, nursing station, mask in between takes, mask on. Wow. How was, I think, the first guy in the valley doing his movie in the middle of the... He's done. He's editing now. It's pretty cool. It was awesome. Do they have plexiglass screens and stuff? No, no. It's uh, Everything's, like, really test-heavy. You have to test to see the stylist, test to see the makeup. You know, they really can't have him go down. He stays distantly away. Uh, everyone does mask on, mask off, in between every shot. Mask, mask. Yeah. The AD yells mask, you know. It's intense, but... And I heard it's very expensive because you're it's doing, very expensive. You're doing rapid tests for, you know, it's a big movie, uh, his new film. And uh, there was, you know, it's high school days, some of it, where there's like 50 extras in a high school gymnasium. So it's a lot of. Oh, wow. That's hard. Cost. That's it's expensive. I know it adds to everybody's budget. Beyond. So we'll see what's going to happen, you know, with with the film industry and with everything. And just work in general. I mean, look at all these agencies. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's going to want to go back to those buildings where I the windows how, don't open? I don't know how it all survives, you know. I know a lot of people are either back or going back March, April that have shows that have been doing shows like Euphoria. My friends are going back. Uh, Norman's back on Walking Dead. Um but they're like, you know, they have to stay. How many years has Norman been on Walking Dead? Forever, forever. <laughs> like I, 20 his yeah, whole yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that guy. And He's I think they're doing a 13-month push with him, which is just like not, you know, that's tough, man. He must be going out of his mind. No, like, he, you, you know, know what? He's the guy he likes that's it. been great. The most, out of all my actor friends, you think he's the most grateful and adjusted somehow he could deal with this because I think he knows what it's like to get it late I think he knows what it's like to have it 
And there's yeah, because he was kicking around. I, yeah, and even when I talk, because we're very close, he's like my brother. And when I talk to people that are just like peripheral members of the set and stuff, they say that guy is the guy. He knows all of our names. He's really he's always kind. You know, he's a doll. Tell he him does, I say hello. I will. He, and he helps with Felix too. He's been he always. Contributes like to a, Felix. an anomaly in the world yeah. of people. He's always he's been really nice of guy. show business. He's just the guy. You know, he'll stop and do like, he's like those country stars where he'll do 300 autographs and 400 photos on the street and miss dinner because he can't just be like, no, man. You know, he's not that guy. <laughs> like he's amazing. so nice. Yeah. 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 But um, I will. But uh, so I'm going to wrap up and let you get back to your, your life. But I want to see you outside soon. I, you know, let me get the, my two shots and, and then I'll get and mine wait. and then you'll feel safe. And then um, restaurants will open and, you know, we'll still sit outside. I mean, they still tell you to wear masks. Who knows? I mean, yeah. just we got to get through this. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. It's been a crazy year for all of us. Beyond. I Beyond. love you and thank you. I love for you. Doing this. Thank and you. I'm glad you're doing you this. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. I love you.